Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. What I'm hoping for for the seniors who are walking across the stage um, that they take away from FaithBridge Kids Ministry, the things that they have learned, is that they are just unconditionally loved by Jesus Christ and hopefully His family and that we've done everything that we could do with our love, examples, and prayers just to point them back to Jesus. My name is Connie Beaver, and I have been leading my girls in Curious for seven years. For me to get the chance to be there and just slight, you know, do what I can and maybe slightly steer them in the right direction or help them find answers or even just be someone to listen to them is something that I know is important, and I do hope that I'm making stronger disciples who will then, as they get older, go on and make stronger disciples. When I had my daughter, I had several people ask, oh, so you're going to quit that Curious thing now right? Because you got a baby at home. It's like, no, I can't, I can't leave my girls. They are, they're my girls. I say that and people get confused because they think I'm talking about my actual children. I remember walking into the center court, center court west, and they said, Georgia Slagle is with Connie, and they split us up. Like, I just remember thinking, wow, she's young and she's cool. This is going to be so fun. I struggled a lot with not having like a ton of friends growing up, having these girls every Wednesday night being willing to like listen to me and like me through things I guess really reassuring and it made me more of a confident person and someone who's willing to like talk about stuff like this. When you hit the point of girls or guys being able to be real and authentic with each other that makes the world of difference because all of a sudden they're going from just surface things that they would share with anyone to sharing things that are true of real community. The whole hard part of parenting is that they're letting go of your hand as they start to walk independently, and then you send them off to kindergarten, and then you send them to junior high, and on a mission trip, and into high school, and then off into the world. Parenting is just a whole series of getting your kids ready to walk away from you. The last curious we had was a party. It wasn't like, oh, we need to hold on so tight because we're going to lose each other. It was like. No, we got tools and, you know, like practical things for Christian womanhood and Christian life. And now we're going to go and we're going to take that. We're never going to forget where we got them or how we got them. I'm hoping and praying that as they go off to wherever, whatever is next for them, that they will just continue to, to go to Christ and to find community and find a home for their faith. And so what we're doing here at Faith Bridge at every level, no matter where your child is, is pointing them to Christ and helping them to see that He's right there with them, that He's preparing them, that He's getting them ready, that He's got them. He has them and He's got their future. And that's just the beautiful thing about what we get to see. You get to see them come year after year after year. You get to see the good things that God has done. Well, good morning and welcome. Yeah, the video is awesome. 
My name is Adam McIntyre, and I am the young adult pastor here at Faithbridge. And whether you're joining us in Cinecourt East or in Cinecourt West, or if you're joining us at the Woodlands campus, or if you're joining us online, we are so happy that you're here worshiping with us this morning. I am particularly excited because today is Senior Sunday, the day that we get to celebrate all of our graduating seniors as they prepare to leave the nest for the first time. Seniors, I know that you guys are excited. Every day that passes is one step closer towards freedom and adventure and the opportunity to just really get to know yourself, right? And parents, I have no idea how you're feeling right now. I would imagine that you're gonna miss your child, maybe, but I would also imagine that there's a certain level of pride and satisfaction in watching your child that you've raised for 18 years go out into a world that's full of possibilities and, and try to make it on their own. One thing is for certain, there are big changes on the horizon for our seniors, for their parents, and probably for a lot of other people here. I would imagine there's a lot of us that are either in the midst of change or we can sense that there is big change just around the corner. And while change can bring about plenty of excitement and anticipation, change can also bring about plenty of fear. I did not realize how much I feared change until I saw the movie Toy Story 3. I, uh, I was a senior in college at the time, and I was working part-time as a youth pastor in Sugarland, Texas, and I thought that it would be a fun idea to take my youth group to go see Toy Story 3, a movie that I thought was going to be a lighthearted, funny, animated comedy. I was wrong. That movie gave me an existential crisis. I sobbed for 15 minutes because of the ending of that movie. Not light crying, not getting a little teary-eyed. I, I mean, I'm talking full-on Marley and Me style weeping, right? It was very embarrassing. Uh, if you don't know how that movie ends, let me ruin it for you. The movie ends with Andy, who is now a college-age man, and he's preparing to leave home to go to college. And he decides to play with his toys for one last time before giving them away to a new owner. And the scene is really beautiful and sweet and sentimental as he's you know, spinning his toys around in circles and playing with them and, and he looks so happy and the toys look so happy and the music is somehow both sad and happy at the same time. And he has these flashbacks to all these great adventures that he's gone on with his toys. And then the scene ends with him waving goodbye to his toys one last time before leaving them forever. And the audience realizes that he is not just saying goodbye to his toys, he is saying goodbye to his childhood. And in that moment, reality kind of washed over me as I realized that my childhood is completely gone. I don't think I'd ever really thought about it before until that moment. I had grown up with the Toy Story movies, and so watching Andy wave goodbye to his adolescence made me realize that my own adolescence had slipped away and I had hardly noticed. And not only was my childhood completely gone, but then I started thinking about all the other big changes that were rapidly approaching for me. I was about to graduate from college. I was thinking about asking my, asking my now wife, Kathleen, to marry me. I was beginning to apply for my first full-time job. I was freaking out. That stupid movie broke me for a little bit. <laughs> I was mourning the loss of my childhood and I was afraid of all the changes that I knew were on the horizon. And I know that I am not the only one here who fears change. 
The fear of change is one of the most common fears that there is because with change comes the unknown. With change comes a lack of control. However, change is also one of the fundamental parts of the human experience. There are welcome changes, things like graduating from high school, entering into the workforce for the first time, having, or getting married, having your first child, watching your first child leave home, becoming empty nesters, retirement. Those are all welcome changes, changes that we accept, that we expect and that we welcome with open arms. And then there's unwelcome changes as well. Things like divorce and unemployment, the death of a loved one, natural disasters, unnatural disasters. There are plenty of unwelcome changes in our lives as well. Parents, as you prepare to send your children out into the world for the very first time, I would imagine that your hope is that your children are prepared for all of the big changes that are about to come their way, that they are able to weather those changes well. In fact, I would imagine that's the hope for every adult in this room, that we are prepared, that we are able to weather changes well. That's why any financial advisor will tell you that you need to have at least three to six months worth of savings, just in case you unexpectedly lose your job and you have a hard time finding another one. That's why we go to premarital counseling, so that we are prepared for all the changes that marriage brings. That's why we are told from an early age to start contributing to our 401ks, so that we are prepared for retirement. I have no clue what you do to prepare for having kids. Uh, pray, I guess. <laughs> Move closer to home to your parents. Uh, <laughs> but most of us, we like to prepare for changes. We like to prepare for the inevitable so that we can weather those changes well. Well, this morning, I want to make the argument that as Christians, we need to aim higher. Our goal as Christians is not just to weather changes well. Our goal as Christians is to be agents of change. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to start reading in verse 55. If you don't have a Bible with you today, go ahead and raise your hand. Ushers are coming down the aisle. They will give you one. And if you don't own a Bible, please keep that Bible. We love you, and that's our gift to you. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll start reading in verse 55. Now, in this passage, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. And in this particular section, in chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is stressing the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, going as far as to say that if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus did not bodily raise from the dead, then our faith is in vain, that we are all wasting our time here, that all the work that we're doing is for nothing. However, Jesus did raised from the dead. And as a result, everything has changed. The entire course of human history has changed. So let's pick up 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 55. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there for now. As followers of Christ, we have already experienced radical transformation. Because of the victory of Jesus, we are changed. We have been brought out of death and into life. We are now new creations. 
We are citizens of heaven right here, right now. Because of the work of Christ on the cross and because of the victory of his resurrection, our sins have been forgiven. There is nothing that we could have ever done to earn that. There is nothing that we could ever do to deserve that. But thanks be to God, because Jesus freely shares his victory with us out of his perfect love for us. And because of the resurrection, we have a new hope, an eternal hope for a world in which sin and death and evil are vanquished. And along with that hope, we have been given the Holy Spirit and we have been given a job to do. Listen to the very next verse, verse 58. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, so because of the resurrection, as a result of the resurrection, because of the victory of Jesus, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We each have a job to do. We all have a role to play, and that role has eternal significance. We have been given the promise of the resurrection, the hope for eternity, not so that we can hoard eternity for ourselves, but so that we can always abound in the works of the Lord, so we can always abound in acts of mercy and justice, so we can always abound in the creation of beauty and the celebration of truth, so that we can always abound in deeds of love and we can be a community of kindness and forgiveness. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we get to partner with God to bring about eternal change. And we know that in the Lord, our work is not in vain. The change that we bring to the world in the name of Jesus is not wasted. It will not vanish. It will not turn to dust. No, our labor And the Lord is never in vain. As agents of change, the impact that we have on the world is eternal. If we are honest, this is a very daunting task. How in the world are we expected to be agents of change when it's difficult enough just to weather change well? How are we expected to be a people who go into the world and proclaim the name of Jesus and build his kingdom and actually produce eternal change. How do we do that? Well, I think Paul is going to have some more help for us. Go and flip over to the right a few pages. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul, he is writing a letter of encouragement and instruction to Timothy. Specifically, uh, Timothy is ministering to the church in Ephesus. He is trying to change the hearts and the minds of the people in Ephesus who are being led astray by false teaching and by their own sin. And I think Paul's instruction to Timothy would be, will be particularly helpful for us this morning. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Command and teach these... Um, 12 through 16. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. 
Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If there is one key point that we can all take away from this passage, let it be this. If we are going to be agents of change, we must first transform our character. I'll say that again. If we are going to be agents of change, we must first transform our character. There is this kind of unspoken assumption in a lot of Christian circles that once you become a Christian, then every other part of your life sort of just naturally falls into place. That if the Holy Spirit really has come to live in your heart and in your life, then you're going to automatically want to live according to God's will. You're going to automatically not want to sin anymore. And while that would be real nice if we automatically stop desiring to sin, that's not how it plays out in real life. Just because we have accepted Jesus as our Savior does not mean that we're going to automatically start living like Jesus. By the grace of God, we have been transformed into citizens of heaven, but we still must cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to transform into the likeness of Christ so that we can learn how to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven. This doesn't come automatically. Far too many of us, we refuse to put in the work required to transform our character into the likeness of Christ. Far too many of us treat our faith like a hobby. We follow Jesus when it's convenient for us, when it fits our schedule. So we follow Jesus on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings. And I promise you that a part-time faith like that will result in you being an ineffective agent of change. It will. We must cooperate with the Holy Spirit to transform our character. We have to train ourselves to live like Christ. This is why Paul commands Timothy, be an example to other Christians of what it looks like to live like Christ. Be an example by your speech, by your conduct, by your love, by your faith, by your purity. Show other Christians what it looks like to have a transformed character. And Paul tells Timothy, do this by devoting yourself to reading scripture to your brothers and sisters. Make sure that they know this inside and out. Devote yourself to exhortation, which is a fancy way of saying encouragement. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Build them up. Devote yourself to teaching your brothers and sisters. Essentially, what Paul is telling Timothy is, you are their trainer. Whip them into shape. Paul, he understood that our character is like a muscle that must be trained and worked out in order to develop and to grow. I promise you that it is impossible to get a shredded six-pack by sitting around and watching Netflix all day. Trust me, I've done the research. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Michael Jordan, he hit 25 game-winning shots over the course of his career. 25. I've gone back and watched a lot of those shots on YouTube, and many of them look impossible, almost lucky. But I promise you that Michael Jordan did not get lucky 25 times. No, he was able to hit those impossible shots because he practiced that shot over and over and over again in private until it became second nature. So that whether he was shooting around in his driveway or whether there was six seconds left in game six of the NBA Finals, his shot didn't change. There's a South African golfer, his name is Gary Player. And he once responded to a critic who called him lucky by saying, yes, 
And I've noticed that the harder I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> Likewise, we are called to practice and train in order to transform into the likeness of Christ. Paul says as much in verse 15. He says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. In other words, treat your faith like Michael Jordan treated basketball so that all may see Christ in you. So how do we do that? What are the first steps? How do we train ourselves to transform our character into the likeness of Christ? Is there like a spiritual P90X that can whip us into shape? There are many different ways in which we can transform our character. But let me say this first. There are no cheat codes or shortcuts when it comes to transforming your character. If you are expecting a three-step program to develop your character fast, you're going to be disappointed. It is a lifelong process of cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It is good, old-fashioned training and dedication. That's how we transform our character. Paul puts a particular emphasis on the study of Scripture because he knew that if we do not regularly immerse ourselves in Scripture, then we can't know who Jesus is. Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God... All of it points to Jesus, every word of it. Every word of this book points to Jesus Christ. And if we do not regularly immerse ourselves in Scripture, we can't know who he is. And we can't transform our character into the likeness of Jesus if we don't know who Jesus is. So immerse yourselves in Scripture. We can also work to transform our character through spiritual practices like prayer and worship and care for the poor and the oppressed. But I want to focus on one spiritual practice in particular that I think is crucial for the development of our character and that often gets overlooked. And that is the development of our spiritual gifts. Paul highlights this in verse 14 of the passage that we just read. He says, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, don't get too hung up on the second part of that verse. I know it sounds a little confusing, but in this period of time, the way in which someone was ordained for ministry was that all of the elders would gather around that person and lay hands on them and then speak words of prophecy over them. That was how Timothy was ordained for ministry. But at the beginning of this verse, Paul is instructing Timothy, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your spiritual gift of ministry. Do not neglect your gift of leading the church of Ephesus. We must practice using our spiritual gifts constantly. We must work to develop and to grow those gifts. Each one of us, all of us here, have been given a specific and unique gift by God that we are to use in order to spread the name of Jesus to all the ends of the earth and to build his kingdom here. We have each been given a gift that helps us to be better agents of change, but we must practice training. We must develop those gifts in order to grow those gifts. And this happens best in community, in grow groups, in serve teams, in Bible studies. It is our community that helps us to identify our spiritual gifts. There are also tests that you can take online, spiritual gift assessments, and those are incredibly helpful. If you've never taken one, I highly recommend them. However, I believe that it is our community that is best able to identify the spiritual gifts in us because they know us. We are living life with them. And it is in community where we practice using those gifts, where we can develop and grow those gifts. I'll give you an example of how someone can use their spiritual gift to be an effective agent of change. 
Many of my close friends know that I am very afraid of small children. Not like run and scream and hide afraid, but more like I get real anxious and awkward and I just don't, we don't have anything in common, right? We have no shared interests. Their motor skills are suspect at best. I just, don't ever ask me to babysit, all right? <laughs> and because of my fear of small children, I am sometimes afraid of being a father. I, don't get me wrong, I am very excited about being a father someday. I think my wife, Kathleen, is going to make an incredible mother. I really do. And I know that that time is quickly approaching for us. We've been, we've been married for almost five years, and I am getting closer and closer to 30. And so I know that having kids is the next step for us. And I really am excited for that next step. I am. But I'm also very afraid. I'm afraid of the change that having a kid will bring into my relationship with Kathleen. And honestly, I'm afraid that I am not responsible enough to be a good father. About four years ago, I worked in the student ministry here at Faithbridge. I was the junior high pastor at the time. And one Monday morning, instead of having our normal staff meeting, we all decided that uh, we were going to go to Center Court East, and we were going to spread out, and we were going to spend the morning uh, reading scripture and praying. And so after about an hour and a half of individually praying and reading scripture, we all began to gather back together, and, to, and we started talking about you know, what we had read and, and how our prayer time went. And Jason Connor was also in the student ministry at that time. He was working as the student missions coordinator. And if you don't know Jason, he now works in adult discipleship here at Faithbridge. And the best way that I can describe Jason is that he is a man who is full of the Holy Spirit. And so Jason and I, we began to talk about how our prayer time went and what we had read in Scripture and how we were so excited for what God was doing in the student ministry. And then Jason stops me, and he looks me dead in the eyes, and he tells me, Adam, I just want you to know that while I was praying, I felt the Spirit lead me to tell you that you're going to be a really good dad. And his encouragement came out of nowhere. I was very surprised by it. Jason knew that I was afraid of having kids, but we hadn't talked about it in a really long time. Still to this day, I don't think Jason realizes the impact that his words have had on me. He probably never thought about it again after that day, but I have thought about those words more times than I can count. Still to this day, those words give me comfort and hope, especially as Kathleen and I are moving closer to parenthood. Jason, whether he realized it or not, was an agent of change that day. Jason, he used his spiritual gift of discernment, a gift that he had spent years training and practicing in order to develop and grow, in order to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he used his spiritual gift of encouragement, a gift that he had spent years training and developing, in order to give me just a handful of words that would give me courage and strength for years. Those words would impact me for years to come. Many times, being an agent of change will not look like the stories that you see on the news or that you read about in history books. Rather, we 
cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to transform our character into the likeness of Christ for those moments that are typically small and quiet, yet incredibly powerful. There is this popular phrase that says, everybody wants a revolution, but nobody wants to do the dishes. And the church version of that phrase is, everybody wants to produce change, but nobody wants to lead a small group. You don't have to be a missionary in a foreign country or the pastor of a church to be an agent of change. You can become an agent of change by using your spiritual, spiritual gifts to lead a small group in kids' ministry where you are planting seeds that are going to blossom for years to come. That is powerful. You can use your spiritual gift to serve on the parking team where your patience and your loving kindness and your ability to offer a smile, even when people are frustrated and in a hurry, that is powerful. Those small, quiet moments of encouragement, of patience, of loving kindness, those moments may seem small to us, but those are the moments that grow the kingdom of God in powerful ways. And that's what we are training for. That's why we are transforming our character into the likeness of Christ. That's why we cannot settle for having a part-time faith. So that when those opportunities to produce change come along, no matter how small, we are trained, we are prepared, and we are ready to be agents of change. Seniors, you are preparing to enter into a brand new world whether it's college or whether it's the workforce, you are all about to experience significant change. Just remember that with change comes the opportunity to be agents of change. Never stop practicing and training what it looks like to live like Jesus. The world is going to pull for your attention and your affections, and your parents can't shield you from it forever. So immerse yourselves in prayer and scripture. Discover your spiritual gifts and develop those gifts. Grow them. Surround yourselves with other brothers and sisters in Christ and enjoy the adventure of adulthood. It really is amazing. And for everyone here who might be a bit like me, maybe change makes you timid or anxious or maybe even a little fearful, whether it's welcome change, like starting a new job or sending your child off to college, or if it's unwelcome change, like divorce or unemployment or the loss of property in the floods. I can tell you from my own experience that it is very difficult to be fearful of change while you're also working to be an agent of change. And that the more that you transform your character into the likeness of Christ, the more those feelings like anxiety and fear, they wash away. We might not know what tomorrow has in store for us. But the truth is that we really don't need to know. Because we know the hope that Jesus has for us today. A hope of forgiveness and of resurrection, and of an eternity spent in his loving presence. And we also know the life that he offers us today, a life to the fullest, a life in which we are agents of change who bring heaven to earth, one small, quiet moment at a time. Let's pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we live in a world in which change is often unexpected and it can leave us feeling afraid and anxious. But you have called us to something higher. You have called us out of fear and into hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we are now new creations, citizens of your kingdom. Teach us to live as citizens of your kingdom. Direct our hearts and minds to Jesus so that we might see how you would have us live. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. It is your spirit that energizes us. It is your spirit that transforms us into your likeness. Teach us to be agents of change and to always abound in your good work. God, we love you and we're thankful for the countless blessings that you've given us. As your name we pray, amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, the Grow Groups and Discipleship Director here at Faith Bridge, and I'm here with young adult pastor Adam McIntyre. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for what me. a great message today as we honored our seniors, um, talked about transitions and changes, and um, really talked about as the seniors grow and even for ourselves, what does it look like to continue growing in Christ-likeness, to right. be an agent of change in our world? Um, what a great message. Um, just a couple questions um, I was going to ask around that. Um, one question that came in was, being a change agent for me has had dangers where I forget that it's God who is still at work. How can I guard myself against thinking that it's me? Right. That has to do with my sanctification process or that's making the change. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was something that I'm glad that question came in because that's something I wanted to clarify even further. Uh, the process of sanctification of transforming our character into the likeness of Christ is a, it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be sanctified. We cannot transform our character without the Holy Spirit. It's just not possible. At the same time, the Holy Spirit cannot transform our character into the likeness of Christ without our cooperation. We can't just sit around and do nothing and expect to be transformed. And so it's, it is a partnership. It is a lifelong partnership of working with the Spirit in order to look more and more like Christ. And I think um, it's helpful to keep that in mind, especially as we do um, begin to abound more and more in the works, of, the works of Christ, to keep in mind that without the Holy Spirit, none of this would happen all the things that I would be working towards, they wouldn't be eternal without the Holy Spirit. They would turn to dust. They would fall away. But because I am partnering with the Holy Spirit in this, because it's the Holy Spirit that is energizing me, that is allowing me to grow and to transform and to abound in the works of the Lord, then the changes that I do bring to the world, those are eternal. But it's a constant reminder. And I think it's one of those things that will kind of happen naturally as you begin to transform your character more and more into the likeness of Christ. Um, it kind of, you kind of just know that it's Christ working in you, it's the Holy Spirit working in you, that it's nothing of your own doing. Um, the, the temptation to believe that it's your power that's causing all of this fades away more and more 
the, as you begin to look more and more like Christ. Yeah, because you see even as you are transforming into the likeness of Christ, as you become more like Jesus, he was such a man of humility. Absolutely, and yeah. Glorified God That's right. in everything. And so as we become more like him, right. that continues to happen to us exactly. too, even though it's a battle. It's, it can be tough, <laughs> it's a yeah, struggle. absolutely. Um, okay, so you said the word sanctification. Um, clear up for me or just explain the difference between salvation and sanctification. Yeah, uh, so salvation is something that we did nothing to earn, nothing to achieve. Salvation, um, we are given salvation solely because of the work of Christ, because um, of the sacrifice that he made on the cross and because of the victory of his resurrection. And so everyone that um, accepts that free gift, because um, his victory on the cross, he offers that victory to everyone. And so everyone who accepts that gift and who surrenders their life to him and follows him as king, well, then the resurrection is theirs as well. We are promised the exact same resurrection as Jesus. And that's salvation. There's nothing that we could have possibly done to have ever achieved that salvation, to have ever earned it, um, to work towards it. It's just that is solely the free gift of God. Sanctification um, is, again, that's the process of looking more and more like Jesus. And that is something, again, that we cannot achieve on our own, um, but it is something that we have to, again, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to be sanctified. Um, we, while we can't do it on our own, again, the Holy Spirit can't just transform us without our willingness, without our cooperation. So sanctification is a partnership. You're teaming up with the Holy Spirit in order to look more and more like Christ so that we can go into the world and we can abound in the good works of Jesus. That's, that's kind of the difference between the two. Right, and you talked about how that is really training. Right. And exactly. gave us lots of ways that we can continue to train Absolutely. in those it's important. areas. It was. So great message, Adam. Thank you so Thank much. you for joining us here thank today. You. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.